Welcome back to the Apostles Mailbox, where today I would like to encourage you to pray like your life depends on it. Now, it's possible if you're listening to this that you're already someone who highly values prayer, but I think more or less in modern American Christian culture, this is an area in which we are sadly deficient. And there's a, a number of factors, I think, that play into our general prayerlessness as Christians. And, and when I say general prayerlessness, I'm also counting myself in that uh, and, and there's a number of factors that are playing into it, but I think one of the greatest ones is that we don't understand the significance and the need for prayer. That is, uh, we treat prayer as if it's like this bonus activity that uh, extra spiritual people might do if they have some extra time. But I don't think that's how the Bible describes it. And so today, I just want to encourage you to stand <laughs> and be ready to fight, uh, to wage war in the spiritual realm uh, through your prayers. So we're going to look at a few scriptures today, and I'm going to challenge you to consider that. And I'm going to especially, I'm going to especially challenge you uh, to listen carefully if you are a part of a big, successful church, uh, or if you feel like life is going very, very well for you, or if you happen to consider yourself a Calvinist. And I say, well, why, why, do, why do I mention those things? And I think some of the, the reasons that we, uh, we are generally prayerless is because either, A, we think we're doing things well enough already and we don't need any extra help, or uh, B, that we think we have all the resources at our disposal that we ever could need. And so if things seem to be clipping along smoothly, like we're not worried about what might happen because we think we're generally able to respond. Uh, or third, I mentioned Calvinism specifically, not because, you know, I want to say that Calvinism is wrong or anything, uh, but the, the doctrine that is typically described as Calvinist or Reformed theology, sometimes it's called, is this idea that God chooses the people who are saved, and he does this before the foundation of the, the world, and uh, so they're Therefore, whether you're saved or not depends not really on, on people, but it depends entirely on God, and people have nothing to do with, with the situation. And so, therefore, it causes us uh, to, I think, to, to think of prayer as sort of like this superfluous thing. If, if God is sovereign and he's getting his way all the time and everything that happens is something that he wants to happen or lets happen, then, then we sort of, we might get to this point where we say, well, I just trust you, God, I'm not going to rock the boat. And I'll confess that although I'm not a Calvinist, uh, I think that I have fallen really into this trap of thinking, um, okay, well, what, what happens is something that God lets happen. You know, he's sovereign. He can do anything he wants. And so if something happens, it's because God allowed it to happen. Uh, and if something doesn't happen, it's because God doesn't want it to happen. And therefore, I'm not going to pray. Uh, but this mentality, I think, is it drastically... Uh, misrepresents who God is and the importance of prayer. So I want to take your um, I want to take your attention uh, very quickly to Ephesians chapter six. So in Ephesians uh, six, 
Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Right now, if you read that, if you're from a Pentecostal background, you're very familiar with it. If you have more charismatic uh, things in your past, you'd be familiar with this passage, of course, because it, it's referred to often. And if you're in more of a Bible church, sometimes maybe you haven't heard this one preached. In fact, <laughs> it was a book I was reading on intercession uh, where the guy said uh, that the, sorry, he said, the verse doesn't end after uh, we do not wrestle, right? So I think sometimes we just do this and we say, all right, so uh, put on the whole armor of God. Yep, we're good. We like that so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle. And that's how we treat prayer. We don't wrestle in prayer. We don't actually fight. But Paul's point is not that there isn't a fight, but his point is there is a fight. And, so, and, and it's not against people. And so if you're if you're fighting against people like you can you can create a great ad campaign or you can come up with some sneaky ways to write a contract or or you can threaten people or you can bribe people you can advertise your way in or out of just about anything these days and 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 that's how you deal with people and Paul's Paul's statement is that we don't wrestle against people right our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is not, not flesh and blood, right? And if our struggle is not flesh and blood, then all of the human, practical, like good budgeting and strategy things, all of those things don't really, aren't really capable of winning this battle. What is our struggle against? He says it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And now you might say, well, yeah, but Jesus won at the cross. And I would say, well, that's true. But remember, Paul didn't write the book of Ephesians, this letter to the Ephesians, before Jesus went to the cross. He wrote that letter after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, after the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you know, that there are rulers and authorities and cosmic powers over this present darkness, right? There are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's what he said. That is where our struggle. It is a present darkness and there are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly place. And if you don't understand this, if you forget about this, you're not going to pray. You simply won't pray. You'll spend all of your time working and strategizing and planning and doing, and you'll spend very, very little time on your knees. And so uh, we're familiar with the, uh, hopefully most of us are familiar with the armor of God, which is listed then after this in Ephesians 6. And you can read it if you want to, if you're not familiar with it. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to sort of skip ahead to the end, because here's where Paul lands. He says, uh, take up the helmet of salvation, this is the end, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. So, 
Uh, and Paul says we got this struggle, we got this fight in the heavenly realm, so you have to have all of the spiritual armor on, and then you are to pray, and you are to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you are to do this all while praying in the Spirit at all times with all prayer and supplication. Okay, so we are to pray at all times. And you say, well, if... If the world just exists in this way where God is sovereign and he does what he wants and nothing that he doesn't want never ever happens, so he either allows or causes everything to happen, uh, then, then you won't really pray very much. But Paul says, no, you need to pray because there is this battle in the heavenly realms. You need to pray. He doesn't have this sort of resigned fatalism, que sera, sera, what will be, will be. He says, pray. He goes on, he says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. He says, make supplication for all the saints. And you say, well, why do we have to pray for the saints if God loves them and cares for them? Well, because there's a spiritual battle. He says, pray for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He says, you got to pray so that I will declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And you, and you think, well, the Apostle Paul, he was bold. He was very bold. He, he could do these, God did all these miraculous things through him. Like, why would he be, be afraid? And, and Paul says, stay on your knees, persevere in prayer for me. Because prayer matters. It absolutely matters. And if you don't think that your prayers have any impact in the world, then you won't pray. And I think this is the problem in the American church is twofold. Number one, we don't have much, many things for which we feel we need to pray. So we only pray when we get desperate, right? When we're having financial problems or marriage problems or parenting problems or, you know, work problems, whatever problems. That's the only time we pray is when we really feel a need for it. Uh, and, and often we don't feel a need for it, so we don't pray. And also because we misunderstand the reality that God has made us as human beings, as uh, as free agents, if you will, uh, in this universe that he has given us responsibility and he has given us ability and he has called us into action with him and that uh, he actually desires for us to, to have an impact in the spiritual realm. And the way we do this is in prayer. And so your primary sort of like engaging in the work of God, it starts and it ends and it is all the way through with prayer. So when your church, you know, wants to start a new endeavor, what does your church do? They they come up with a plan, maybe they take a survey, they do some marketing, they find out what people want, what people need, what we're going to give them. Uh, they put together this whole structure. And then right before it launches, we say, okay, please pray this weekend that this thing works. <laughs> right? We don't realize that the primary conflict is not with 
people and plans and whatever. Those things, of course, uh, need to be taken care of sooner or later. Uh, but the, the beginning should be, Father, what are you? What do we need to do? Where are the strongholds of the evil one? Where does the this present darkness need to be torn down? Father, would you go and pave the way? And would you lead us? And would you guide us? And would you know? Would would you tear down the work of the evil one? And and uh, we're not really going to talk a lot about spiritual authority that we personally might wield um, that God has entrusted to us, because that's a another huge can of worms. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that God has called us into this, and the Apostle Paul says we're in the middle of a war, and so you need to be praying at all times. So when I started with the Apostle's mailbox, all the, in some ways, like I know this, and it and it's it's theoretical and sometimes it's practice. <laughs> it's practiced. It's practical. Uh, but the first thing that I felt like uh, was was present before me it was as if the Lord said, if you are going to do this, you need people praying for you. And so uh, there are people praying for this ministry uh, fa in, with fasting every day of the month. Somebody's fasting and praying for this ministry uh, because the prayer is significant, because the impact that is to be had here on the people of God is not a matter of like just making sure that, that uh, coats get distributed and, and food gets uh, distributed, um, though those, of course, are vitally important. But the, the real spiritual impact is one that happens uh, not in the physical realm. And so we approach it in prayer. And I know that my ability to see and to understand what is true and to present that to others and to challenge others uh, is in some way it is vulnerable, of course, to the deception of the evil one and to the discouragement of the evil one and to attacks of the evil one on myself and on the people that I love, etc. And so uh, I have sought prayer. And if you're a part of this prayer team, like, hear me say, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness in prayer because the long-term uh, success of what God is doing here is going to, in large part, depend upon the prayer that goes into it. It's going to depend on your prayer. It matters. If you, uh, if you drop the ball here, uh, less will be accomplished. And as you persevere in prayer, more will be accomplished. Okay, so let's take a look at a, a few more scriptures here. Right? James says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him call the doctor. No, no, he says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Uh, let him post it on Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> Sorry. Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Uh, let him go get the surgeon. No, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him and anointing him with oil uh, in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Let me say that again. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And then he looks at Elijah. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. 
Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now, to be clear, I don't think it's like a sinful thing to, to see a doctor to have surgery done on you. I don't, I don't think that's a sinful thing. And I think uh, God has granted uh, great blessings to humankind through our medical system. What I'm pointing, what I want to point out, though, is that James says, basically, it's always the right time to pray, and it should be your first recourse in every situation. And in fact, if you are praying without ceasing, if you're continually remaining in prayer, uh, then you'll find out that prayer isn't just reactionary, but it's proactive, and it's always engaged, and that if you if your mindset is to change in this way, then you don't have to think like, oh, crud, I better pray now, because you will already find yourself praying. And the promises are big, right? Uh, James doesn't say, oh, and remember Elijah, the super great prophet, he was special and therefore God heard his prayers. No, he said Elijah was a man just, he, he had a nature just like ours. He was human like you and me, and uh, and he prayed fervently that it wouldn't rain, and and it didn't for three and a, and a half years. It didn't rain. And then he then he prayed again, and then it rained. Uh, and if, if you look at, if you look back to 1 Kings uh, 18, where Elijah is or the end of this drought is coming, and Elijah's praying for it to rain. He bows down, and he says to his servant, go look for some clouds, and the servant comes back and says there's nothing. And he, and they repeat this seven times. So Elijah's like, well, he doesn't just give up. He perseveres. He continues to pray, and then the, and then the rain comes, right? And so there is this, there is this promise that healing comes through prayer, that God does miracles through prayer, and that when things are good, when, when we're cheerful, when things are going well, then we sing songs of praise. This is a form of prayer. So we don't stop praying when things are good, and we don't just start praying when things are bad, but we're always in prayer. But I think the biggest, perhaps the biggest uh indicator of all of this is quite simply in Matthew 14, 23, uh, we read, after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So here's Jesus doing all of these miracles like feeding multitudes and healing the sick and casting out demons. And, and then Jesus uh, sends everybody away and he goes off alone just to pray, to spend time with the Father and to pray. And if we, as, as human beings, like sometimes we need to send everything away and we need to just go and be alone and spend some time in prayer with a father and we need to pray because we need him and we need his involvement in our lives and we need the victory of Jesus Christ over sin and over death and over the spiritual forces of even evil in the heavenly realms and so we need to be praying continually so one of the i would say one of the lamentable things uh, about church organizations and busyness is that the better things go, often the less we pray. I remember I was interviewing, uh, was I interviewing? No, I was just, uh, somehow I got connected to, no, oh, I was talking to a guy who who was involved in some um, 
some search processes with some churches and and I just I had a phone call with him years ago and and he said uh, we were talking about prayer and he said that he worked for a giant for a giant very successful very well-known church uh, for years and he said people would call him and they would say well what's the secret of your success and he said I always told him he said I think we just pray better than everybody else <laughs> and he said they'd they'd laugh and and then they'd say no really what are you doing that that has made your church so successful. And he'd say, I'm not kidding you. I said, I said what I meant. Uh, I think the secret is we just pray better uh, than everyone else. And he meant it. Uh, he meant that they would go away, I think, and, uh, and pray that they would, that they were the ones uh, who understood that their connection with God was directly correlated to their success in doing the work of God. And so they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And he said, Andy, never stop praying. Pray fervently. Get your church praying. If you want to be a part of a successful move of God, you need to pray. That was our secret. And he said, sadly, so many churches looking for secrets, when I told them to pray, they would just ignore that advice. They would say, thanks, uh, but no thanks. And they would go off and find another program, another book, another strategy, whatever. Okay. So there are many things that are that are helpful and there and and God works through means and there are many wise things that you should do and foolish things that you should avoid but at the end of the day my friends our struggle is not flesh and blood it's not human and physical in that capacity it's spiritual now if you look to Israel and you see what's going on there is a perhaps a global war on the verge of breaking out Perhaps it will remain regional. Uh, this could be a very, very significant in terms of uh, all of history, uh, development of, of, of war and certainly of discord. And, uh, and I would encourage you not to say like, <laughs> how can we send more missiles over to Israel? Um, but to ask us to, to, to get down on your knees and to ask the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, is one name given to God in the Old Testament, asked the Lord of armies to send out his armies and to conquer, to bring peace to Jerusalem and to Israel. And so uh, for the sake of, of the descendants of Abraham, who God made all of these great promises to, uh, pray for peace in Jerusalem. A pray for revival here in America. Pray for a, a felt need for us as the church of God to pray, to look for solutions to the social and financial and physical and relational uh, problems that are just exploding all, all around us. Um, pray for God to have victory in those ways. Pray as the Spirit leads you. Pray with all kinds of prayers and requests, uh, Paul says. But whatever you do, don't stop praying. My friends, too often uh, we do much striving and much work and we tack on a prayer at the end or we say a quick prayer before our meals or before our bedtime. Uh, we say a quick prayer when, when things seem to be getting out of control. But I want to encourage you and I want to call you to pray intentionally and purposefully. If you haven't watched the episode on fasting, the last one, go watch that and pair some of your prayer with fasting. Let's take this seriously, my friends. There is a war going on. We are in an age of present darkness, 
And your striving, your fighting on your knees in prayer makes a difference. It matters. And so go do it. And as you pray, uh, we'll continue to seek the Lord together. And I'll see you back here soon.